Hello and welcome to Weekend Rental. This is episode 15. We are the podcast that talks about gaming, geek culture, and whatever else comes to mind. My name is Ryan, and with me we've got Andy. Hello. And Justin. Hey, everyone. All right. So we're going to have an interesting uh, episode this episode. We are going to have a guest um, in the main segment later on, so stay tuned for that. And uh, as always, we're going to kick this off with our... Our opening segment, Buy, Rent, Burn. Each of us picks a video game. We play them all, and then we individually determine which of those games, if given the chance, we would buy, rent, or burn. The system for this episode is the TurboGrafx-16, one of my personal favorites. And Andy has selected Pac-Land. Uh, that was released in 1990. Justin has gone with Gunboat. This is a 1992 release. And myself, I have selected uh, World... Court Tennis, released in 1989. So we'll go through each of the games individually, kind of talk them over, um, and we'll go back up to the top, and we'll start with Andy's pick, Pac-Land. I'll briefly read the description here on the game from the back of the box. Uh, for Pac-Land, it is Pac-Man, the world's most famous game character, is back. Help Pac-Man guide the fairy back to her home in Fairyland. But watch out, those mischievous ghosts are out to stop you once again. Use the magic shoes to help Pac-Man get back to his own home in 16 different rounds with multiple trips in each round. Uh, eating power pellets and bonus fruit along the way. Fast, frantic, addictive Pac-Man action from beginning to end. Might have oversold this game, but it, <laughs> Andy, what do you think? <laughs> well, I think the important thing to keep in mind with Pac-Land is it's an arcade game from 1984. So we're talking about a port that's six years later. Wow, that's a pretty good turnaround time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a platformer game, which is completely different for Pac-Man. And I, I think they did an okay job at translating what Pac-Man is into... A platformer you know you're getting power pellets eating the ghosts when they're in trouble or you know in, in the way um but overall it's it, the, the platform in itself feels a little bit wonky but i think that's because of the arcade roots of it you know you played in 1990 and you're like well mario brothers nailed this like or, you know super mario brothers nailed this how many years earlier and Pac-Land just feels really weird in that regard but uh oh and the art style it i love the art style but at the same time it, it's like somebody told them to open up microsoft paint and just take the line tool and shape tool and like do <laughs> fill buckets fill yeah. full of colors and that's that's the graphics of the game but it's something totally original you don't see that on any 8-bit systems or anything like that it's all straight lines solid colors it's it's kind of interesting i kind of dig it yeah, it definitely stands out. And like the one thing is, even though it's a side scroller, um, it's still like instantly recognizable as a Pac-Man game. I mean, it, they, they've done a good job of translating like what you'd expect Pac-Man to look like in that, you know, new environment instead of just like a map game. So that's cool. Yep. Uh, it, it is funny, though, you know, speaking of like the source of this and like being it's an arcade port. So it, it's one of those arcade games that's got a weird control. It doesn't use a joystick to go left and right. You have a button, a designated run left and a designated run right button. Um, so that translated over to the Turbo Graphics controller means that your D-pad is jump and your A and B buttons are run left and run right. So it's just 
kind of completely <laughs> backwards yeah. from any other platformer you'll ever play. And that takes some getting used to, to like mentally undo years of gaming habit. Um, but it works. I had to check the controller mapping right away and then be like, oh yeah, this is how that game is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, otherwise you'd for sure think you had something wrong with your controller. Yep. Like, wait. My mapping must have been different because mine was the arrows. Oh, really? The- really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I wish. It would have felt a lot more natural. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I jumped in and movement was fine. The only thing that happened is I got to the fucking diving board and I didn't know what to do. Right? <laughs> and that's... <laughs> That's been my experience every time I've played this game. I've never gotten past the springboard. Yeah, and like I was telling you earlier, all you have to do is keep pressing the over button, or basically the jump button, whatever is on the D-pad, and just keep pressing that over and over and over, and then you get there. And yeah, that's it's not something that you would think of doing at all. That's <laughs> crazy, yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny because like I swear I th- I thought I tried everything, but yeah, I would never have guessed to tap the. I mean, why would that make any sense? Right. That's not. That's like such an unnatural thing to program into a game. Well, and then he gets but, like, you finish that, and then he gets like the ruby red slippers from like the Wizard of Oz, and all of a sudden he can do double jumps now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like this is really weird. I mean, what's Pac Man doing? Are we the next one? He's getting a dress here. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Is this the origins of Miss Pac-Man? And then you see at the end of the level, no, Miss Pac-Man's there with baby Pac-Man too. Which they're I mean, the the whole aesthetic of the Pac-Man designs are based on the TV show, I'm pretty sure. Sure seems like it, the old cartoon, but Yeah, it could very well be. You know, it's interesting too, because like this is one of those platformers that reminds me almost like a adventure island, where it's just the platforming is so like one leveled. And just sparse, you know, you you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're more running and jumping over obstacles than anything else. Plus there's a timer on it, which I assume that was more because it was an arcade game. So it's like you're constantly running, but like really the landscape isn't that varied. It's kind of just like a flat plane for the most part. I mean, it gets a little bit better later on, but it, it feels very similar to that minus the very fucked up control scheme. Yeah, you'd almost play this like an endless runner, except you can't. Eventually you do hit a section where you have to stop, go the other way pause you know and yeah it just seems weird that way that like you said like you at least in adventure island i feel like you're constantly running right like that's the whole point right where this it's like you hit a point you're like okay i'm supposed to stop here and it's a little bit different in that regard yeah no it's 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 interesting though it's like very visually appealing i think and it's it's an interesting game that everybody should play at least once so I guess, um, what do you think? Move on to gunboat? No, let's move on to yours to world court tennis. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. All right. So Jay, uh, Jason, Jason's running the podcast. He's gone with gunboat. So Justin, <clears throat> Justin's pick is gunboat, of course. So the description on this one, twist down treacherous jungle waters with eight tons of firepower and the threat of a deadly ambush around every bend. Command a Navy Riverboat Patrol PBR, I guess is the abbreviation of that, in the most hostile and claustrophobic action, uh, Rivering Warfare. 
first hone your critical combat skills with gunnery, grenade, and pilot practice. Then report for duty and equip your boat with the hottest weaponry for the mission. Take out enemy craft with twin armor piercing 50 caliber machine guns. Blast land based positions with 40 millimeter grenades or fire your own 60 millimeter mortar launcher and get ready to hit the deck. I feel like that was very specific on the artillery, which I don't know if that makes the description better, but <laughs> <laughs> Justin, how, how great is this game? <laughs> if we were to rate it by blobs from David Crane's amazing movie time, it would be a negative. Yes. <laughs> um, this is probably the worst game I've played. <laughs> and I've played a couple that Ryan's brought. Hey, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> no, it, it's bad. Um, it's between the 20 minutes or whatever it takes you to get into the actual game because you don't know what button to push. <laughs> yeah. Into the game and not knowing what to do. Right. The the menu navigation it's, is horrendous. It's just a terrible game. <laughs> I, like I, I played it for, I don't know, probably 40 minutes ish, 45 minutes. And I don't, I didn't do anything. I pushed select a bunch because I guess that's what you have to do. That's pretty a good, uh, representation of the Vietnam War, though. <laughs> you just push stumble around, up. push buttons, didn't do don't anything. really do anything. Yeah. Oh. For the first time, I was finally understood why the Vietnam War started, if they were shooting our PBRs. Because <sighs> they control so poorly? No, our Paps Blue Ribbons. Oh, Yes. I think you had to have PBRs into in the Vietnam War. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just that and smoking the marijuana out of your shotgun. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I didn't have too much of a problem. As soon as I picked the select, I found out the select button is what you need to get to those menus. But boy, when you said, hey, let's do gunboat, I was excited because I'm like, oh, that sounds like a good game. But this is, I was not expecting like a military simulation that they were trying to pull off like this. Uh, just by that description, like you said, it's like very specific artillery guns and all that stuff. So there, you can kind of tell what type of game that they were trying to do here. And, uh, I don't know. Once you get into the game, it's like, it's almost like an open world game, but stuck on a eight bit system with like a frame rate of <laughs> like oh, five, so bad. five frames a second, maybe. Yes, even when you yeah. adjust your like ship speed up to like f- max, like five knots or whatever, like still nothing moves. Like it's still a static image. It's so bad. I feel like if you would have played on, you know, a computer back years ago, it would have played quite a bit better. Because I think it came out for that, didn't it? Possibly. I bet those type of simulations always did. I, I think it would probably would have played better on that, but I don't know. It, this. I just, I struggled with everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, once you get through the menus and you get into the boat, like you, it drops you into a gunboat, but like from an on deck perspective, right? So like you're sitting either from a mounted turret perspective or you can pan 
to below deck where you're controlling speed and things like that. So, I mean, it, I guess like from a set piece, like if I was going to look at like a screenshot of this, that looks great. But then when you put like the actual enemies off, you know, further off in the distance, it's just such a muddied mess and nothing controls well. Nothing is explained for shit. It's just such a frustrating experience. By the time I got through the menus and figured that out and got into the game, I was already over it. <laughs> it was not good. It's about the same for me. I, I gave it still a decent amount of time just because I was like, I'm guessing I'm missing something. Yeah. And I probably am, but it, it wasn't pleasant experience. No. no. I mean, I got in there, I blew up a couple ships and I'm like, that's probably what this game has to offer just with maybe different scenery. And I don't need to find out if I'm right or not. Are you able to switch weapons? Maybe. Probably. I mean, I selected three weapons for loadout. Yeah, you, you picked three weapons, and I only used one. Yeah, it's a disappointment. Like Andy <laughs> said, like I thought, like I almost bought this game at a gaming convention for like good money because I had no idea what it was, and I was like, oh, I bet this is gonna be sweet. It's gonna be like an arcade type shoot 'em up game. No, like this is not what you. The, the thing is, is like the Turbo Graphics has such a small library, and most of it is better than average. So like find a game like this just kind of sucks. <laughs> and like the pictures, you're like, oh, this looks interesting. Right. I mean, the only thing they got right is like literally you have a gun on a boat. I mean, it's probably the most accurate <laughs> title of any of the games we played here, but I, that doesn't seem. Yeah, this game came out for the Amiga, DOS, TurboGrafx-16, and the ZX Spectrum. So like, how is that? Whoever made that decision wow. to be like, oh yeah, get it on the Turbo, you know, like. It's very strange. Dude, I bet this looked like I bet this looked like shit on the spectrum. Yeah, maybe. Cause then that was like eight bit, right? Yeah, so it's turbo, like, but well, but it's got a sixteen bit GPU, doesn't it? Yeah. Or no, it's too I forget. I don't know. Yeah. It's that's something true. like a hybrid, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but even so, I like even on PC, like if it's this slow, like there was a ton of like airplane simulators back then, the same era that were PC games. And at least those were fast enough. You move fast enough that you could actually get like a spatial awareness where this was just like, I don't even know how far like away that guy is, or, you know, I don't even know what I'm looking at. You right. know? Yeah. You couldn't even really tell, is yeah. that a boat that I'm shooting at? Or is that just a Because <laughs> there's no definition to indicate. Yeah. And then I tried to run into the boat to see what would happen. <laughs> and you just drive through it. <laughs> Maybe I'll sink it this way. Not going down by being shot. Nice. We probably would have won the war if we actually had no clip on. (laughs) That's military tech that we need. (laughs) Somebody's got to be working on that, I hope. All right. Let's move on to World Court Tennis. Um, Description, it's your serve. Wop. (laughs) The ball clears the net at 100 miles per hour and... And raises a little dust inside the chalk line. An ace? Question mark. I, I don't know why I said question mark. There's, <laughs> but anyway, no. Wop. <laughs> your opponent returns with a powerful backhand and kills your plan of charging the net. No matter how you play, with up to three friends, singles, doubles, or against the computer, World Court Tennis will tax your endurance and test your skills with action. It's fast and furious. Just don't scream at the line judge. He's never wrong. 
first of all, there is no lion judge in this game. And I also, I didn't know that you could play with up to four people. I didn't know this used the turbo tap. That's kind of cool. I don't know that I would do that. Um, so yeah, I mean, world core tennis is exactly what you'd expect. It is a tennis game. Um, it's solid enough, maybe a little more steep on the difficulty curve uh, from the point of entry than, than most tennis games. Um, but the reason I selected this one and the reason that everyone should play this game is that outside of your singles and doubles mode, there is a quest mode, which is probably the only mode you'll ever want to play in this game because basically what it does is it is a top-down uh, RPG with tennis. So you get in this village, the king asks you to go find the tennis court. Some villain has come in and stolen every tennis court from the kingdom, and it's your job to set out and find those tennis courts, and he sends you on your way, and you go out in the world, and you have random uh, encounters that result in tennis matches, and it's all got <laughs> this sort of ridiculous Japanese uh, turbo graphics humor that you see in all of it. It's like just so ridiculous. Um, you, you know, you go first thing you do is go to all the shops in town and they just tell you like the most generic, like RPG trope stuff, like buy better crap. You'll do good. And then <laughs> you go to another guy. He's like, buy this thing. And then, you know, you go to the King to ask him for stuff. And he just simply says, go, which I found funny. Um, so basically like, they just explained to you like in the most kind of sarcastic way, like what you should do. Like you've never seen an RPG before, which is funny. And then just the sense of humor in the random battles. I mean, w when you start playing the tennis, like it's just tennis matches, right? So if you lose though, you reset back to the main city, uh, the main village. Uh, so the goal is to just keep progressing and not losing. So you can explore more of the area to find the next towns. Uh, but some of the, the, the encounters are just funny. Like one of them, that you'll hit is uh, Jason with the hockey mask and all uh, challenges you. Uh, there's just some like bizarre looking people uh, with just horrible facial distortions. Like there was a duck lipped guy that I came across whose lips were actually larger than the rest of his face. It's kind of insane. Uh, so yeah, it's just, it's just, just this completely bizarre thing you would never expect to find in like one of the most mundane type of games that's on everything. Uh, it's just a simple sports game with this awesome little hidden mode in there. What did you guys think? For that, like, I honestly had no idea there was quest mode, so I didn't play that. I did play, um, what, three solo matches or one-person matches. And I don't, I, I hate tennis. In this game, I, I literally, well, I played those three games. And at the end of it, I was like, fuck tennis, it's not a real sport anyways. <laughs> and that's how I ended it. Like, <laughs> Completely missing out on the best part. Yeah. So I'll go back and, and try it, but at this point, this game sucks. <laughs> too. <laughs> I wish I would have known it with the quest, though. It sounds entertaining. Yeah. yeah. I just love how... To a T, it's like Dragon Quest. Like that's exactly what, like the the tile set oh, yeah. of the RPG, and the map, and everything. Even like text on black boxes, it's it's Dragon Quest, <laughs> and I just love it for that. Um, but and, yeah, like you said, the 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 people that you talk to, that you 
have like NPCs, like they shouldn't even have them in there. Just put them in like the, the information in a box or something <laughs> like it's like, well, somebody played an RPG right. and then they're like, well, we got to have a village of people and they need to say different things, you know? And it's like, you, I go into this lady's house and she's like, you need to talk to people to get information. And it's like, I'm talking to you and you're not telling me anything. <laughs> right. My favorite though, was the girl who says, this is Chicago. And it's like, well, I've been to Chicago. It certainly doesn't look like four houses <laughs> out in the woods. <laughs> and a castle come on (laughs) yeah that's right i forgot about that this is chicago of all places they could have put in there yeah yeah overall the actual core of the golf or the not golf the tennis uh i thought was lacking i mean if you really put your time into it and got the timing down i think you could progress pretty well and actually get pretty good at this game i mean it's not unfair by any means i don't think it's just you have to put the time in to get the timing down of, of, you know, not faulting like I constantly was. And then, um, just knowing when to stop running and hit the button, you know, that's what I kept having a problem with. Yeah. I think like the high volleys are like some of the hardest I've ever had to try and read in a tennis game. I will say that like I could, I whiffed on those so much, but yeah i mean it's not it that and that's the thing is like is the core gameplay of the tennis is just sort of like okay like this is all right but when you wrap that just like japanese ass goofiness uh around in that quest mode it just kind of makes it like one of those games that you'll never forget for sure i mean you'll you'll never sink more than an hour into it i don't think in the sitting but it's it's good for a laugh no i mean Golf story is pretty much this game, you know, they fully realized. So it's pretty cool that there was something way back in what, 80, 89, you said that, that, that kind of like, Hey, this RPG thing's crazy. Let's, what if we applied it to another genre, which is, that's nuts. I know if only they had like, if only this had like set off a precedent to where every sports game had like a nonsensical rpg mode i might have actually liked sports games as a kid at least yeah there's a few of them out there i I mean mario tennis kind of has one on the game boy don't doesn't it um yeah it does and then i think there's a crazy soccer one i think that does that too but yeah i'm not sure the random account there just many different people are yeah like basically you'll just walk around and it's like the old school rpgs where you just like walk around and all of a sudden like it stops and the screen pops up and there's a person there like i challenge you to tennis and then the weird thing though is like no matter how much you say i decline they're like the enemy is pushy like ryan plays tennis well i named my character myself so yeah but basically it's just like that except it's always like just a tennis match so they're never the same ones though are they or do you end up going against the same ones um i mean i did see some repetition as i because i i would get i would lose and i'd get set back but yeah it's never the same people in order it's just like these random npc like overlays and then sometimes you'll start out serving sometimes they start out serving if you can start out serving you'll pretty much always win but i'll have to go back and try that mode yeah it's interesting um 
so yeah, we've gone through gone through all the games. Let's go back up through the top. Andy, we'll start out with uh, with your picks. What do you What are you thinking on this one? Yeah, this one's. I'm kind of going back and forth. Um, for my buy, it's certainly not Gunboat. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think just kind of talking to this convinced me that, yeah, I think world court tennis needs to be my buy just because how innovative that was at that point in gaming history, you know, um, to take a, something that was crazy popular, like dragon quest was in Japan and then apply it directly into a different genre, just as a side mode into, you know, this turbo graphics game. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, so I think that's going to be my buy just because of that. Um, and my rent is going to be Packland. And the reason I say that is if that game, if we were rating it on that game as a 1984 game, uh, I would give it a lot more leniency. But <laughs> since it came out after Mario Brothers and a million other, you know, halfway decent platformers on the NES, like right. uh it just does not hold up but that art style is crazy <laughs> it's it's really basic and really dumb like it's it looks really bad compared to a lot of other things on the turbo but i still love it for how weird it is <laughs> it's almost like the vector colored i don't even know how to describe it but that's gonna be my rent and i think it's pretty obvious that gunboat is gonna be my my burn i I don't think it's as awful as you guys say, like from, from, oh, that it is. I, <laughs> from 19, if, you, if I was in 1990 and was really into simulations and I didn't have a PC, sure. I might, I might stick in there a lot longer than what that was, but I mean, the, the turbo graphics was just not that platform, right? Like, right. It already it, didn't, have, it didn't have the horsepower. Yeah. And the buttons, like it didn't have enough buttons anyway to pull off something like that. So yeah, yeah. when select is used for select, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. And like this probably that one would have probably been a game I would have played for PC. Cause I played a lot of different simulation games, but it, it just, in my opinion, didn't work for this situation. No. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Justin, how about your, uh, your picks? Um, well, I'm going to start out a little bit backwards here. Uh, my burn is going to be gunboat. Um, just like we had just discussed, it's, it just doesn't work very well on, on here. I think if it would have been on PC, it probably would have been a little bit better, but I, I just, I can't put any time into that game. <laughs> <laughs> um, my rent is going to be, I have to go world court tennis. Um, I didn't play the quest mode. So as far as this game is like, I really didn't enjoy this game, but I do want to go back and play the quest mode. So, um, it's kind of a, a temporary rent because I want to see what that's like. Um, but I, I will put world court tennis as my rent. Um, so my buy will be, Packland. Um, I really struggled with this game as well. The the diving board, I could not get past. Um, but the presentation 
of the game and just you know the the look of it i guess i i thought it looked pretty decent for how it played so that would probably be my buy for right now <laughs> yeah not bad picks um yeah i mean i might as well get it I mean, this is gonna be obvious so i'll get the burn out of the way too but gunboat of course um <clears throat> yeah just for everything we mentioned mostly the hardware limitation it's just not gonna be an entertaining game on the triple graphics um i'm gonna buy uh i'm gonna buy world core tennis just because of that quest mode um i don't know there's just something very charming and like that's that's the sort of crap you're only gonna find on the triple graphics um it's just goofy and it's worth a laugh and worth having in my collection for that reason and in fact i do have it in my collection um, and I do have the next one in my collection too, which is Pac-Land. Uh, but I've never really liked that game a whole lot. Uh, you know, like Andy, you pointed out, there, there were just already at that point so many other more competent platformers that, especially with its like awesome visual art style, it's just so disappointing that the gameplay is so shallow. Um, so that would be a rent for me. But I think we've determined now, finally, that Ryan does indeed love Japanese role-playing games. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, maybe I've been kidding myself this whole time. Although I did just put my newly acquired copy of Fantasy Star 4 in the other day and immediately decided that I needed nothing to do with that. So uh, I'm going to have to work myself in slowly. Yes. Yeah, you went full anime there. That's not good. Yeah, although uh, what was nice is like somebody had played the hell out of that. So I took like the most leveled up save state and it was just like, every random encounter was like attack everything's dead <laughs> so it was kind of nice to like breeze through and not have to struggle but <laughs> I, I still do not have the patience for turn-based combat and i probably never will yeah sadly even though world court tennis tried to correct me of that it's, it's probably not gonna work no All right, so moving on from Byron Byrne, let's get into the meat of the podcast. This time, uh, we have a very special guest. We have Arthur, um, also goes by Pocket Rocket Radio on YouTube and social media. Um, Arthur, thanks for joining us. <laughs> oh, oh, hey, um, hey, sorry. Hey, hey, how's it going? How's it going, guys? Great to be here. I didn't mean to interrupt. You could have just kept going. It's fine. Oh, actually, yeah, I can just hit mute on my microphone. I mean, no, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here is what I meant to say. Thank you. <laughs> so what's everybody been up to? Anybody been doing anything exciting? Games we're playing? Movies we're watching? What's what's happening? Well, I got to bring up something just be, from hearing that, uh, that little voice right there. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was puking my guts out, and Ryan sends me a text message of one of Pocket Rocket Radio's uh, new videos. And it was the <laughs> ASMR of eating basically raw fish. And I made it all the way through it, but I felt a lot worse after that video. But Oh, you're well yeah, you're welcome. It was, it was very good. <laughs> I'm glad I could cleanse you of like your inner demon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that video was so great, by the way. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, no, I'm glad. Um Yeah, that's one of those things that you just kinda had to like 
I had to explain to my fiance like what the purpose <laughs> of that was because she doesn't get my humor. So she was like, "Why did you do this?" And I was like, oh, "It's just you know, I just felt like doing it." And then she just it was just silence, and we just pretended like it never happened, you know. <laughs> That's how you know it's a good video. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's worth bringing up too. I guess we should mention at the top that uh, you were gracious enough uh, upon my request to do like a little intro guitar, a little, little musical number for my YouTube channel, which we have now transitioned to the opening theme for the podcast. So thank you. No, thank you. (laughs) It's no, thank you so much, man. Cause like, I get, I can't believe like you guys like asked, well, you asked to like, you know, like, Hey, would you be down to like collaborate and do this? And I was really excited, you know, it was like, uh, so that was a lot of fun and I hadn't recorded in a while. So it was just fun. Kind of like starting up like some studio equipment, you know? Yeah. No, it's awesome. I, I, I love that thing. I've, I've been using it last on my YouTube channel cause I need to do an updated video overlay for it with my new game room, but it's fitting really well on the podcast for sure. Oh, sick. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, because I know you love punk rock. Oh, yeah, and, of course. Uh, I listen to everything, but I definitely listen to a lot of, like, old punk, so I just wanted to give it kind of like a punk kind of vibe. Yeah, it's it's perfect. It's, it's the kind of music that just makes you want to, like, smash beer cans, like, against your head <laughs> while playing video games, you know? Like, we're like this new generation of, like, middle-aged gamers that are, like, rampant alcoholic geeks you know <laughs> that is so it's like, yeah that's pretty much perfect yeah. yeah like have you noticed like that that's kind of like this it's like this new phenomenon of like like gamers like wait how old like is everyone here like pretty much in their 30s yeah yeah okay cool yeah so like we're all like basically in our 30s and it's like uh it's just so weird to like see like this it's like this working class generation of like gamers where we're like trying to give off this like persona of being professional by day. And then like we go home and we're still like 14 year olds. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you think about yes. it, like I feel like that's just like, it's a luxury. Like I think our parents didn't really have, you know? Oh, for sure. That's very true. <laughs> I still, I even as like mainstream as gaming has gotten though, like there's definitely still a stigma. Like there are a good number of people in my day to day work life that I would just never mention that I have this insane collection in my house. I think it's one thing if you're like playing at PS4, but when you show somebody a wall full of video games, they judge you. (laughs) 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 It's not always in the best way. Yeah. Even if you're playing PS4, I get all kinds of people that give me dirty looks and just, you know, odd remarks because they know that I play games. there's right. nothing wrong with it. That's, no, that's I mean, how it is nowadays. You can sit on your ass, watch a movie, sit on your ass, read a book, or you can sit on your ass and play a video game. I mean, everybody's going to do something of the sort. So yeah, whatever you're into. Yeah. I just can't believe like there's still kind of like, like you said, a stigma given like how much money like the overall industry is like pumping out, you know, like, I mean, you look at Hollywood, it's like pretty much accepted. Like you can go to crappy movies and it's like cool. Um, and obviously, like gaming, I don't think like has like a nearly as much money coming out of it, but it's it's a, it's still a pretty big industry. So it, it's just kind of surprising because it's just like everywhere now, you know. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. 
I think it's I think it's made it a long way. Like I'm sure in another 10, 15 years it'll be a whole lot different. Cause I mean I feel like, you know, with us being in our thirties, we're kind of that very first generation that like from the day you can remember, there's always been a console in your home. So, you know, it's it's only gonna become more consistent. Like with you know, our kids, I'm sure it'll be far more accepted. I hope so anyway, because I'm turning them into little game freaks too, so yeah, I saw those videos of them getting into like Mario and the the arcade cabinet you made them. That yeah. was sick. Well, which blows my mind because that like I hate the arcade version of Mario Brothers. Like it is not a fun game for me. <laughs> and those guys just like they'll play it nonstop. I just don't get it. But I haven't. I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say as I shit on Andy's arcade cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sucks. No, you actually have like an old school. Like you have an arcade cabinet of like. Uh, the old school Mario game. Yep, I have the original Mario Brothers, but I yeah, I don't play it too much. <laughs> oh yeah, did you have to like restore it or? Uh, it's it's a, has some issues for sure, but uh, overall it plays pretty decently. Dude, that's amazing. How'd you score that? Can I ask? Like, where'd you find it? Yeah, I actually bought out a, a game store, and that came along with it. So that's one of the things I held on to. <laughs> oh yeah, like that's like definitely like pretty memorable, man. <laughs> yep. Yeah, just the artwork on those old Nintendo cabinets is totally worth it alone. Like if you, get, I mean, your cabinet's in really good shape, other than like the normal wear and tear. Right. Yeah, especially those old Nintendo ones that had like the art on the very front too, like on the bezel of the the screen. I think that's pretty cool. <clears throat> Anyone been playing anything uh, exciting worth bringing up? I mean, obviously, there's one game that I know we could bring up, but. <laughs> Do we want to go down that rabbit hole right away? <laughs> Who's in my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, since you're still able to talk, I'm guessing it was Ryan. <laughs> no, wow. I just, I, I remember that game. <laughs> wow. <I was> like, <laughs> well, usually when, when you get a group of guys, you know, joking about a game they could all play, it's usually Who's in my mouth or Smash Brothers. And yeah. Smash Brothers hasn't been released yet on the Switch. Hey, you see what kind of transition I did there? That was like pretty clever, huh? <laughs> Stellar. Yeah, now now we can talk about Switch games. <laughs> well, how many of aren't there four of us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah there teams, you go. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so how about uh we'll just go right into monster hunter world I, I don't know if you've played this at all arthur probably not i don't know did you pick it up yet no i haven't i haven't gotten around to it um on ps4 no not yet yeah so we all bought it launch day and i think that first week i sunk like 36 hours into it which is kind of disgusting because i don't really have 36 spare hours in the week mostly but that, i'm in, i'm in love with that game that's a great game have you played any of the other ones, like any of the older Monster Hunter games? Yeah, I've been a fan for quite a while now. I got really into the Monster Hunter Try on or Three or whatever it was called. It was, I mean, the same game, but the Wii U version. And this is just like so oh. much better. There's like a ton of quality of life improvements. Like you're when you're mining, you don't have random pickaxe breaks. You don't have bug net breaks. You don't have a, a lot of these like simple like annoyances have been updated. So it's a much smoother game that said, it's still very much like a janky monster hunter game. Like Capcom 
Capcom's like Nintendo. They have no idea at this point how internet lobbies work or matchmaking or what really that should look like. So it's the most convoluted, least explained part of the game, along with just a bunch of other shit that they just kind of expect you to figure out. Um, But if you're willing to accept that, and especially if you're already a Monster Hunter fan, it's by far the best Monster Hunter game. I mean, it's, it's so good. The visuals are great. What would you say about the difficulty compared to like the original game that you played like on Wii U? It's it's a lot more uh, forgiving, at least to the point where I'm at. I mean, uh, on the older mm-hmm. versions, I would there I would frequently either go on missions where I ran out of time, or some inventory item broke and then I couldn't complete the mission, and I'd have to just leave. Um, and I failed a few times along the way in this one, but I think it's a lot more balanced. Yeah, because I'm, I'm guessing they obviously invested a ton of money because I just saw it, you know, like I saw the, the video of it and it looks like it was a huge investment on their part, but also seems like a really big risk to try to invest that much money, money into like kind of like a niche game like that. So I could I think it'd be smart of them if they kind of dropped the difficulty curve. But, you know, I can't talk. I haven't played, so I haven't seen like what it's like. Yeah, well, I, I definitely think it was a gamble because, I mean, the, the game has been a smash success everywhere but the United States and for the amount of money that they obviously had to put into this thing, if it didn't take hold over here, which it has, luckily, I don't know that we'd see another one, at least outside of handhelds. Yeah. That's kind of cool though. Like, cause the bigger the community is like, I'm like more motivated to like, kind of give it a shot now, you know? Yeah. And I can say from my background, like I tried the old PSP ones and just could not relate to them at all. But this one, I've been the same way with Ryan. I've got 30 some hours in, in a week too. So it certainly got the bug into me now too. So (laughs) something changed along the way. Can you think of anything that they like changed from the PSP version to here? Like anything that's different in the gameplay that kind of just makes you get into it like more easily. Yeah. The big one for me is like, you can, if the monster runs away, you can track them a lot easier in this game. Cause I remember the old ones, correct me if I'm wrong. Ryan, but you had to like do a specific action. Yeah, you had to, to throw make the paintball. Sure that okay, that's what it was. Yeah, there was something that you had to like do so you could actually see where the monster went. And half the time, I would wouldn't be able to do that. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's another thing too. Like as you're mentioning, when they would run away in the older games, like everything was compartmentalized into zones, and you had to load in and out of each one of them. And there's still zones on the overlaying map, but it's one continuous hub world so there's no like breaking of you know the the pieces back and forth it's it's one large map that you're exploring that just on the map happens to have different zones overlaid on it but it's it's much more immersive i guess and this one it feels like like the old ones were just like balls hard right away and this one seems like it's more like Hey, we'll give you three easy ones, you know, manageable ones. And then after that, you're going to hit a wall and you're going to have to grind on this one a little bit. Three more after that. Same thing, you know, where it still sucks. Even when you're grinding that, like having kids in a busy, you know, busy life, having those missions that you drop, you know, a half hour in and it, you don't gain anything from it. That kind of sucks still in 2018. But uh, overall, I mean, if we get to the end of that game and it's that I, I could guarantee I'll be frustrated enough to quit if it's just like grinding to the point you where we progress. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And that is like, I will say that's the biggest problem with this game is I obviously like put in some late nights on this thing, but 
it just does not, it's not conducive to my schedule because I don't necessarily have an hour straight to sink into it. Cause it's not like there's a pause button, right? You start a 50 minute game or you start a mission for a 50 minute hunt. And I'm in that, like, I, I have to be there to finish it out right then and there. So it, it's kind of tough. Like you, you have to make sure you're kind of notching out the appropriate level of time. I mean, kind of two hours is really what you need to get anything done by the time you log in and get stuff done, do your buffs. Yeah, true. What do you think of it, Justin? I know this is like the first one you've actually sunk any time into. Yeah. Well, like I bought the, the Wii U version back a while back. I tried to play what once or twice with you. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't play that one, like not because of the gameplay, because of the party chat system annoyed me too much. So when I heard that it was coming to PS4, we played the beta, and the being able to actually talk and communicate um, made it feel like it was going to be a pretty fun game. So when it released, I picked it up as well, and uh, I really enjoy the game. I, I have a lot of trouble playing it for a long time. Um, I think that what first three days or whatever. We put a lot of hours into it. Yeah. But since then, it's kind of like I put in two hours here, two hours there. And I really struggle by myself because I play as a ranged attack and I just get destroyed. So it's it's not really as much fun by myself. <laughs> yeah. It's like I can't complete missions hardly. But if we can get into a group and like, I think it was Tyler and I went through and ran quite a few different things and. And it was pretty easy with two people, but four it should be easier, but we struggle for some reason. <clears throat> yeah, we've had some bad rolls. I really enjoy it. Gameplay is good. Graphics look good. Um, I, I feel once you kind of get the movement and, and just the game style down, it, you'll enjoy it a lot more. Yeah. It's definitely a game that requires patience, that's for sure. And I would like, I would also like to point out just how awesome it is that they made an NPC called Fiverr Bro that just sits in the bar <laughs> and does nothing but eat and drink. <laughs> Whoa! Um, like, what kind of a character is it? Is it like a, a human or? Yeah, it's a human. But then the cat, the canteen is all run by cats, of course. Which they really saw, up like, the ante on the caps. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, I, I love the animation. Every time you order food from the cats, there's that same animation, and it still just puts a stupid smile on my face, like even now, like <laughs> a hundred times. It's great. So it's Japanese as fuck. Yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> it's going to raise a couple eyebrows, you know? For sure. I just think it's amazing. Like, it's so crazy how much, like, uh, I guess, like, the the more niche Japanese games are really kind of catching on here like at first you know it was kind of like final fantasy and even at that time that was kind of like a little exotic and now you're kind of getting into like more and more like niche stuff from japan and now the thing you're seeing in a lot of u.s releases is like does monster hunter have japanese voice acting as an option or is there voice acting in that game uh there is voice acting i don't know if there's a japanese dub built in though i bet there is i don't think so I bet there is. You think so? I would think so, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right, because you, you can set your language from the main menu. That's right. Yep. I bet you're right. Yeah, I just think that part's crazy, too, because, like, if you think back to, like, uh, like even, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, it's, like, they there's, like, no concept of a game being released with, like, a Japanese voice track, and now it's, like, people want that. Uh, so 
I don't know, Japan's definitely like doing a lot of crazy stuff with like their game industry just making that big of an impact. Yeah, for sure. Well, and speaking of like Japanese stuff, like starting to take hold, like you're into some like JRPG, like hardcore JRPG stuff and like some of those graphic novel type games on your 3DS and Vita, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm really into like the tentacle porn and, um, (laughs) you know, like the, the, the half like cat, half girl creatures you know and also like the video game side of it as well video games are fun too when they do that yeah <laughs> yeah once you get past the hentai you're yeah. you never get past the hentai you just <laughs> you stay there for all eternity <laughs> that's why i had to block those sites just so i could finish my homework you know <laughs> hentai has destroyed like three relationships <laughs> uh <laughs> Back to video games, collecting for what? Are you still are you still picking up stuff for your Vita? Like or have you kind of slowed down on that? I, I definitely want to get back into it. Um there's just like a ton of stuff coming out right now. Um and a lot of it is kind of the same. Uh you just kind of get like your typical like romance graphic novels coming out, um, your typical kind of grindy weird JRPGs with like magic girls and I think it was really, really cool at first because it was just like so different. But then you see them kind of like recycling the same formula. And after a while, I guess it's like, I don't know. I'll wait until something kind of like unique comes out again. Yeah. I mean, how many, how many hyper dimension Neptunias can they make? You know? I, yeah, too many. Geez. Like they, I think that franchise had like a lot of potential from the first game. And that's like all I played of it. But after that, they really just like ran it to the ground just by trying to like milk the bejesus out of it. Like, I don't know, uh, I guess, uh, but it's got a cult following still. It's just, uh, I don't know. I can't really get like too into it. I, like I said, the first game was kind of fun. It, it had like a cool combat system, but after that, it was just kind of like, uh, they were just trying to make like an easy cash grab out of it. Right. I, I was interested in it just because of the premise of, you know, like the video game world or whatever but oh yeah like that's fun the story's fun and there's like a lot of really good like humor in it um the combat system's pretty difficult my biggest complaint about that game is just like okay like i'm used to grinding in the jrpg but i think that one to me has too much grinding and like there's no difficulty levels oh yeah so that's kind of a turn off and it's brutal too like it's one of those games where they'll um you have to go through like a really long period of time without being able to save and then they'll like pit you up against like one boss and then you're like almost dead and then they don't let you save and then they send you right into the next boss. So it's like oh, they, geez. they do a lot of that stuff just to, I don't know, like <laughs> I guess some people enjoy that. I just, I don't know. I don't have time for that. You know, it's like, uh, like Ryan was saying, you know, like just setting aside like an hour a day or like two hours a day, like that's a huge investment, you know? Yep. I feel yeah, like some of those games, sure. they just do that to be like padded out to be like, oh, well, we're at least a 50, 60 hour game, you know, like that's a positive. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so stupid. Like, I'm, I'd rather have like quality, like I, I love when a game like gives you options besides grinding, like where you can be more tactical or you can learn the system better, like where there's at least like alternatives to like, you know, just repetitious grinding where like the battles are the exact same like button combos every time. Um, I just... Like, I'll play those games, but I'm getting kind of tired of them, you know, because I'm like, what's like, it doesn't feel so much of a challenge as much as it is like a test of patience. Yeah, exactly. 
I mean, one of my one of my favorites from the past few years has been Bravely Default, where you could turn off the random encounters, but the end of that game was just they they padded it out way too much just in the story, having you go all this all you know all these different areas, and it's just like just cut it short. You know, it's a 25, 30 hour game. That's that's fine as long as you make it quality. You know. Yeah. Do you think they're doing it? Because like, I don't know. Because. It always seems like there's like a handful of people like us where we kind of like have an issue with that. But at the same time, it's like it does sell. So I wonder if there's people that like enjoy that, like that enjoy being like, oh, I spent 60 hours in this game, even though most of it was kind of filler. Yeah, it must be. But then the other thing I think like because wasn't Bravely Default, um, that was Square Enix, right? Yep. Yeah, they're learning a lot from I this is what I think. I think Square Enix is like watching the indie game scene really, really closely. Because, like, you see them kind of, like, I think Bravely Default was a little bit of an example of that, where, like, the really old school traditional kind of, like, JRPGs or RPGs were getting really popular, like, on Steam and even, like, some of, like, the console, like, online stores. Uh, So, like, as the indie scene, like, follows a certain movement, I noticed, like, Square Enix kind of trying to follow that. And then I think... Uh, they kept going with because I think wasn't like I am Setsuna, like a smaller subdivision of Square Enix. Yes, it, I forget who makes that, but it is it is a Square game. Yeah, yeah. So they did that with I am Setsuna because I could like I could tell like they were just I think I don't know I'm not an expert. I felt like they're just reacting to like what was going on in like the indie gaming scene. Like they're seeing the indie game scene like really kick, like pick up a lot of like momentum. And they're like, we got to get on this trend because this is kind of what's popular yep. now. And they kind of went back to that style. Yeah, that's cool. That's something I noticed. Maybe this is off topic, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, um, I feel like a lot of the really, really big, like I've always loved like indie games and I always love and like really respect people that put effort into making them. But I think like a lot of the AAA companies, they're like watching the indie game scene really closely. And I wouldn't be surprised if they slowly start investing a little bit of money into like a project, like as an experimental project, just so that they can have like a better idea of like how the market's going to react to a specific thing. Cause if a concept takes off from like an indie game developer with like, you know, a limited budget and not that much advertising money, then, you know, it's a, like a quality game cause it's basically going around by word of mouth. So they know if they take that same concept later, and they have the money to invest in like marketing, like I'm pretty sure they'll have like a pretty huge hit. Like um, I think Octopath Traveler, that's like the new Switch game they're doing. I, I think that's definitely like indie game influenced. Yeah, it's got that style. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you see that on the Japanese side, but I feel like the American side, like EA and Activision want nothing to do with the indie side, really, which is kind of disappointing, but... How do you guys feel about that? Like with um, like the loot boxes and stuff. I mean, that's popular. That's a big topic. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's kind of gotten oversaturated. I mean, we we talked we've talked about it a little bit off and on in the past too. And like overall, like my thought is, as long as you are doing a loot box that involves nothing pay to win, and like I, I used to say, Overwatch was like a good example, but now Overwatch did some dumb stuff too. But I mean, everything in those loot boxes are just cosmetic right but when you're getting into like i need to buy loot boxes to get the random gear roll to progress in this game i think that's complete bullshit i'm actually kind of glad that yay 
caught the attention, you know, with the Star Wars Battlefront and now somebody's stepping in to do something about it because it got out of hand. Yeah, but they're adding them back in now. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. It's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> was that CSGO or something that had uh, a pretty big issue with that because they were like advantages? Well, CSGO was bad because they, they turned into Steam items that actually had kind of a dollar value to them. Okay. So like everything is actually worth real money and they had a big gambling problem with that. Ooh, and, okay. Yeah. Turned into like an income type yeah. thing. Pretty much. <clears throat> well, who knows though? Maybe we'll be yelling at Microsoft soon since they're reportedly shopping around and potentially buying EA. <laughs> oh man. I just heard about that. That'd be crazy. <laughs> I don't see that happening. I see them buying some development studios, but EA would be, That'd be too industry shocking. I think like they're, they're, they have too much multi-platform stuff. I don't see how they could do that. Yeah, that. Why would EA do that? I, I don't see Microsoft buying them. Because I remember, like a few years ago, Microsoft was still struggling, and they're still kind of coming back from. They're just picking up from kind of mediocre sales of the Xbox One. So I didn't know they were really like in that big of a position right now to where they could even consider that. So. I'm just wondering where they think they're getting that kind of like financial backing from. Not from the Xbox market. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the part of Microsoft that actually turns a profit. <laughs> they have one of those. <laughs> yeah. The virus. I think they call it an OS, but I probably shouldn't talk too much. My boss's husband works for them as a developer, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but they don't listen to this. So it's perfect. No, she doesn't know what a podcast is. It's fine. Yeah. No, I mean, it is It is funny because, like, that Xbox division, I mean, even when, I mean, 360 might have been a better example, but even then, they had some setbacks. But, I mean, that Xbox division of Microsoft has always just hemorrhaged money. So, you know, it, it's funny that they're realizing their biggest problem right now, well, they have a bunch of problems, but one of their biggest problems is that they have almost no exclusive titles coming out. So instead of just, like, figuring out that solution in-house, you know, the Microsoft solution is, yeah, we're going to buy something because we got a shit ton of money. And then they're going to bring it in. They're just going to like gut that studio. I mean, look what happened to Rare after they bought them. Like, do we really want that happening with other quality devs that they could bring in? True. I just don't know who they would buy that had, you know, quality stuff, right? You know, coming out soon. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Because it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not going to solve your immediate problem, which is in this calendar year, you have no exclusives. So. Right. You, you really can't win. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're coming up with a, a couple of ways. Like they're really throwing out like the back catalog for like all their games and trying to like throw that into the, the mix. And they're definitely trying to be as generous as they can with like the entire library. Um, but even then it's sort of like, you know, if people buy a new console, it's, it's like you said, like there's just like they want the new games. You know, that's kind of what excites people about like new technology. Yeah, for sure. Ever since you mentioned the Better Royale for Crackdown. You've wanted that? I know, right? I hope they do that. <laughs> That'd be so amazing. That's what that game should be. It's just Battle Royale. And you're looting orbs, basically? Yeah. Orbs could be part of it. Yeah. Instead of orbs, it's just like random ammo. Hmm. Like every orb is like 10 rounds. <laughs> Fucking sweet. I'll talk yeah. to my bo- or my uh, yeah boss's husband. We'll totally make this happen. I think he can pull that. 
They still have to get a release date. Right. Yeah, the game still has to finally exist. That's true. It's only been in development for like 10 fucking years. I'm sure it's coming out. Well, the rumor was that Red Dead is going to have a Battle Royale mode now, too. So it's like... Yeah, I saw... Yep. I heard there was leaked footage. So that only makes sense. I mean, they even put Battle Royale into Grand Theft Auto V. Oh, did they? Yeah, I don't think it's to the extent. It's not 100 man or whatever, but they do have a mode. So I think they had that before, though. The Last Man Standing or whatever. Yeah, it was smaller, though, right? We never ever did that. Right. That's true. It's Crackdown pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, for the time, it was a really good kind of open world, stupid, fun game. It's a, it's a game that's better co-op. If you're going by yourself, it's maybe not that great. But yeah, the first two I thought were really good. I know the, the, the first one, I put a lot of time into it when I first got my 360 and got that game. Like We'd have co-op online and do all the challenges just by throwing each other through the orbs with the car. <laughs> you'd have to try to jump through them with the car and nearly impossible. So you just <laughs> picked each other up and threw us each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i was curious what it was because i just saw they're uh working on a crackdown three yeah i think that's been like pushed back so many times and, like really like uh, crackdown wasn't a bad game but the reason crackdown got any fame initially was just because it came with a playable demo of halo 3 so that's like the reason everybody picked it up initially it was and that was huge in their advertising campaign um but it was a decent game and you said it had the like online uh, like battle royale options. It didn't, but like we've been speculating that like what's missing right now is just like a stupid over the top battle royale with like bonkers physics and like jetpacks. So if, if Crackdown Three came out with a battle royale mode, it would be pretty badass because like all these battle royale modes, just be fun. yeah, like all these battle royale modes right now are just too centered on like I mean not realistic physics, but you know they're not. They're more, more along the lines of Call of Duty than anything, where if you just had something insane, it would be just hectic. <laughs> That'd be so fun to just like go into like a lobby or a game room and just watch. Like I would just watch like <laughs> people fly through the skies like like a freaking flying circus or something. Yeah. <laughs> or just like carnage and Yeah, that's a good point. That would be pretty funny in like a totally like more fantasy driven like well not fantasy, but like science fiction kind of like over the top game. Yeah. Really go nuts with it. It'd be pretty sweet. Somebody will do it eventually, I'm sure. I mean, we've just started to see the yeah. tip of like the Battle Royale stuff, I'm sure. But... It'll be played out for the next 10 years and overdone. Right. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you had the military shooter kind of thing, then you had like the zombie survival <laughs> thing. Um, I guess this is like the next big bad. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I suppose, yeah, the last, what, two two years or so that whole survival game yeah like aspect was pretty big oh yeah all these survival games coming out well that's what spawned yeah 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 h1z1 or whatever i suppose yeah oh yeah i didn't know it came from h1z1 because i just remember like PUBG kind of um just blew up last year and then like that's when i remember just seeing a lot of games like implement battle royale like I remember, was it like Fortnite got a little flack for it? Because they're like, you're just copying PUBG, but then it's like, well, everyone's kind of doing it, so it's okay, I guess. Right. 
Well, yeah, and that's the thing is like the dude who came up with PUBG like originally started that idea with a mod for H1Z1, put a battle royale in, and then he went on to do PUBG. But then he gets pissed. Oh. So he like basically like copied the genre and rebuilt it, but then he gets pissed when Fortnite copies the same i mean he did fortnite did the same thing but you know he did with PUBG. so it's kind of like this weird you know you don't own the let's put a bunch of people together and shoot shit genre i mean that's just that's existed since like 82 so what game was that in 82 uh it was PUBG uh 8-bit edition on the atari 2600 i don't know if you played wait this. atari was 8-bit <laughs> shut up <laughs> facts look it up there will be a wikipedia posted tomorrow <laughs> that's totally true <laughs> yeah i don't know so i gotta ask did anybody see the han solo trailer uh yes but i didn't pay too much attention to it see and that's the problem when a han solo trailer comes out and you don't care enough to pay attention to it who's han solo yeah. <laughs> uh, I just like watched that and I was like, what the fuck? Like after The Last Jedi, and then I see that trailer, I'm like, what the hell is Disney doing with Star Wars? It looks so terrible. Like I give I give no shits about that movie already off of the first trailer. Yeah. Like how did they not have enough shit to make it's Han Solo? Give me some one liners, have a Wookiee yelling, <laughs> laser blast, done. Like I can make a better trailer. Give me, I'll re-edit it. I would watch that. You d- you didn't watch it? Like if you just record- oh my re-edit. No, I would watch that. Like if yeah yeah like if you like redid the movie starring as Han Solo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if that would be as good. <laughs> no, I, I think it'd be better. <laughs> yeah, you and my mom would probably agree. <laughs> Boy, Harrison Ford really let himself go. Yep, he did. <laughs> he's a method actor yeah i mean they gotta have video games on the millennium falcon that's true i bet it's coming they did remember like the first star wars yeah they had the chess yeah they had like that like weird like chess looking like game uh on the millennium falcon yeah they, they have video games in the star wars galaxy huh i i've never i've never seen one with yeah oh yeah, that's right. It is digitized, isn't it? In the first movie, yep. Yeah, where he's like telling them, like, you know, you don't want to piss off a Wookiee. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That trailer was just so disappointing. I, I, I am afraid. I'm, I, I think I'm gonna just let Star Wars end with Rogue One, and then everything. Well, excluding the prequels, that will be my canon, and then everything else doesn't exist. So. Was Rogue One decent? Rogue One was good. <laughs> I, Andy didn't like it, but it's like a very good, like, war film. It's set in the Star Wars universe. It, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a traditional Star Wars movie, but I thought, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh, no, that's cool. I, I mean, Star Wars has like always opened itself up for like reinterpretations, like from the books, the video games, and it's just such a big. I think it's like one of the biggest fantasy like, like worlds ever. Like outside of maybe like anything like J.R. Tolkien did. That's so, true. Yeah. Yeah, for I'll sure. I'll check out Rogue One, like if you said it's good. Yeah, it's worth watching, I think. And I thought, the, did you watch, uh, what was the first one in the new trilogy? Force Awakens? Uh, no. 
That one, that one's good too. Those two are both good. <laughs> Although Force Awakens is just a new hope, but new. <laughs> but it, it's still. A good uh... But the Last Jedi, the one that just came out, was not great, and I cringe after seeing the trailer for Han Solo. Although there wasn't uh, a Porg in it, so maybe it's already better than the Last Jedi. <laughs> but you know, I mean, they're they're making one every year from now on until you know twenty years from now. So get used to it. Yeah. At this point, they just need to do a Jar Jar Binks like spinoff movie. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the, the horror. At this point, you know, <laughs> at this point, it's just at the point where, you know, you flush like any hopes and like love of that franchise down the toilet. So you're just like, eh, whatever, you know, yeah. like, yeah. speak, stop caring. I hope they just go like Deadpool and just make it rated R and just, <laughs> just like all sorts of like fucked up aliens. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Finally see Jabba and Leia get it on. <laughs> well, the moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> they need to make it an anime like they're making a batman anime oh really i saw uh, you guys gotta look up the trailer for it but like they're making a, an anime uh for, like in japan uh basically about batman and it's like batman and the joker go back in time to feudal japan what <laughs> and it sounds stupid it's kind of awesome and maybe it will be yeah, well, because, like, I think it's a cool premise because Batman's, like, fighting background is from, like, ninjutsu and, like, ninja stuff. So I think that's kind of a cool place for him to be. And, like, Batman is, like, basically, like, the modern-day ninja. So, like, um, it looked really crazy. Uh, and I don't know, like, if Japan can pull it up. Like, if, if this is, like, a good anime, like, I can just see, like, everything else being Japanified, you know? <laughs> Nice. There's oh. actually a guy at work talking about that. Oh, really? Like a week ago. Yeah. So, speaking of anime, too, did you guys, any of you happen to catch that new Godzilla? There's It's a two-part, like, anime thing from Netflix. So, there's, like, a one-hour, the first, it's, like, an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes for part one. Part two hasn't come out yet. No, I haven't seen it yet. No. no. Yeah, it's, like, anime reinterpretation of Godzilla, and it's fucking awesome. Like, uh, basically like in this one, Godzilla isn't just like a, I mean, he's just, he's a monster, right? But like, he is literally, uh, a world ending monster. So like they abandon earth and like basically fly around space for like, I don't know, like 10,000 fucking light years or something. And <laughs> like, then they come back to earth and 20,000 years have passed thanks to like future and space technology and like Godzilla is still there and it's fucking bonkers, but it's so good. Totally recommend it. <laughs> Did I sell it? Did I sell you on it? No, totally. Like, I'm just, uh, I was actually, like, stroking myself as you were describing it. <laughs> you stopped. Sorry. So, that was a big disappointment. <laughs> so now I guess I gotta watch the uh, the anime if I want to finish, you know? Well, but they're gonna fucking cockblock you, too, because it stops it halfway through. So, you might want to wait till both parts come out, and then you can really just go to release, you know? That's what I'd recommend. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Just that, That'd be fun. Otherwise, I'm just not going to be able to concentrate, you know, the rest of the day. That's a problem. You, you know how it is. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah well, because you were talking about anime, um, which the Godzilla one I want to check out, because I'm surprised it took that long, because it, it seems like, like you wouldn't expect it, but then like you said, like when you think about it, it's like 
well, that makes perfect sense. I mean, it's like they're both Japanese, so. Oh yeah. Um, but did you did you watch the Castlevania animated series? Yes. Yep. It did. That was sick. Yeah. Yeah, it was so fucking dark. Like, oh yeah, it just blew me away too with like the anti-Christian uh, undertones. Like they really <laughs> like shit on Christianity hardcore through that thing. I was like, holy, like this is kind of tied back to Nintendo. That's kind of shocking. It had like a lot of like I guess you could kind of say like a political and philosophical undertones. Like I wasn't expecting any of that. I thought it was just gonna be like straight up like dumb and you know like just all action which the action was sick but man it had a lot of like controversial stuff which i give them like credit for that was pretty cool yeah i really liked it i mean it was it wasn't i think there was some like rough spots and like even my biggest problem with it was like what was it they put out the four episodes right away like even at the end of the four episodes like i didn't feel like there was much progression like it could have all just ran into like one longer introductory episode but i don't know i I mean i did enjoy it do you think they're gonna finish it? I mean, I, I'm sure they will. It seems like the worst like Netflix exclusive shit continues to get more episodes. So, and this is better than half of that. Yeah, that's true. I think it has a lot of potential. Yeah, for sure. Especially now, like it seems like a jumping off point because now that you know the group's all together now, you know, right? Like, so now they can actually do stuff. So. Oh yeah, like like at the end when they introduced everybody and it was like. You know, like they introduced like Alucard and everyone, and it was just like, like you kind of like it was at the very end that like like the the game universe and like all the like the game characters are kind of like there and all interrelated with one another. Uh, so that was like the perfect place to like keep going yeah. with it. Yep. Yeah, the giant clockwork cogs and stuff. Yeah, that kind of was a great ender. Anybody else got some pressing topics? Well, I was going to ask Arthur how long he's been playing guitar. Oh, uh. I, uh, on and off for like, let me see, uh, I'm trying to count the, like the numbers, uh, what's 31, 16, you know, what's funny is I'm a math major, but I can't do like simple addition and subtraction. (laughs) Luckily they have calculators. So yeah, exactly. I, I haven't had to add or subtract in like forever. So that was, they shouldn't have even wasted their time trying to teach me that crap in school. (laughs) Um, uh, like on and off for like 15 years. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cause I, I quit for five when I was in the military and then after I got out, I just started playing again. Um, but yeah, it's just like a hobby. Yeah. That's, that's about as long as I've been doing it and you're probably four times as good as me. So I, I don't know. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I'm, you know, like good or anything. I just like, I have fun playing and it's, you know. Cause I, if you get into music, I could rant about like my thoughts on music for decades. Cause I love music. Like one of the reasons, like I really love like, like games. One of the main things that'll sell me on a game or get my attention on a game is the soundtrack. Cause sometimes like the game might not interest me, but if I hear like a track and like, this is kind of sick, then I'll pay attention to it, you know? And there've been games I played just because I heard like the soundtrack first. And I'm like, Oh shit. I got like final fantasy 10. I decided to finally play it because I heard so many tracks from like the soundtrack. That I was like, okay, like I need to at least like see what this game's about. Yep. Oh yeah. How'd you get into guitar? Uh, it was mostly just out of curiosity. I still don't know how to play actual music. I just do tabs obviously and play a lot of rocksmith as well. Just, which I find is, is cool to play. I actually feel like you're playing the song a little bit, but 
outside of playing it, I, I don't have the muscle memory or, you know, actual memory of how to play it. So it's kind of worthless, I think. But in the moment, it's fun. Have you ever tried Guitar Hero? Yep. Yeah, those are fun, too. I can't play that. I can't play that worth <laughs> a shit. Like, my friends gave me Guitar Hero. They're like, dude, you're going to be so good at this. And I was just losing on, like, beginner. <laughs> I was like, what the? F- I can't. What is this thing? I've heard that, though, that, like, people, like, actual musicians struggle with playing Guitar Hero because it's just, like, so unnatural to, like, how it should work. <clears throat> you know, if you're accustomed to holding the real thing and, like, actually playing. But I don't know. Yeah, it's like women aren't throwing themselves at you. Right. Yeah. So weird, like not covered in alcohol. Well, you can still cover yourself in alcohol <laughs> and play Guitar Hero, really. I'm sure that would make a good video. <laughs> Give me ideas here. This is cool. I want to see a PlayStation 2 commercial is what, is what I would like if we're talking about video ideas. That demands a follow-up. Uh, <laughs> Push the limits and go all the way to PlayStation 4. <laughs> Do that. Okay, so... Because uh, I had talked to you and asked you to like repo- or like re-list that one so I could watch it. Because I was like, oh, God, I want to see that again. So then <laughs> shortly after you did that, yeah. it was like the holidays. And uh, we were at my parents' place for New Year's. And like I've oh, had you know, quite a few oh, beers Christ. at this point, And I'm just like talking about this video, like how funny it is. And I pull it out and like show it to my mom. And mom, my mom's exact reaction was, why did you show me this? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, because it's funny. And then I think she just lost a lot of respect for me. But that's okay because I think it's great. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time a woman told me that. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> why did you show me this yeah <laughs> no i fucking love that video like your your crazy ass sense of humor is just like one of the things i've always loved about your youtube channel for sure oh thank you man one of the things like i thought was so cool of you was like just how open-minded you are you know uh like i definitely respect that like i'm not trying to like suck you off like yet <laughs> go ahead please <laughs> Well, no, I mean, you're a married man. I don't want to cause She's not going to do it. I mean, so. Oh. I, we've been married a long time. Oh, man. Well, this is. Yeah, let's just change the subject now. This is getting sad. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, I'm glad you guys have such a wonderful, loving relationship to where you could say this. And you're just riding on the fact that she's not going to listen to this, huh? Uh-huh, yeah, entirely. <laughs> Okay, cool. (laughs) But uh, no, I thought it was really cool how open-minded you were, you know, because you're definitely like pretty accepting of like people's weirdness. And uh, yeah, I'm just surprised. Like we definitely clicked like early on because like uh, I just started a channel and just I was bored. And then you sent me like video games. Oh, that's I right. Like, I, owe, I owe this man my soul. Yeah, I owe you my soul. <laughs> well, I sent you like four shitty NES games, to be honest. But And I was like excited. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Knight Rider? Hell yeah. NHL hockey? Yeah. I, bet you I got aware. a sports game. This is the best. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is cool. Yeah. It's, got, it's got like actual hockey players in it. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Well, some of my videos get just as weird. I mean, I did make that Christmas special with Justin where we just poked each other's nipples for seven minutes. So. I saw that. I saw that. That was cool. <sighs> that was ridiculously difficult to film. We were, we were both, yeah, we were both very party. drunk. And, yeah, it was three hours to get one seven-minute clip. It was not, not the easiest <laughs> thing I've ever done. 
And we couldn't piece it together. Right. Yeah. So you couldn't cut it. Yeah. Did you check your analytics to see how many people watched all the way through? Um, I no, I never paid attention. I mean, my answer to that is probably going to be not many. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember like the first comment on that whole thing was like, well, DD games, he doesn't upload anymore, but like he, he he was the first comment. He's like, I can't believe I sat through that whole thing. (laughs) Oh yeah. I remember DD games. He was a cool guy. Yeah. He was nice. I bumped into him at Portland two years ago. He happened to be there. So I don't know. I think he just got really busy. Yeah, I suppose kid, job, high school, parents, girls. Yeah. You played a couple games with them, didn't you? Oh, played what? Didn't you play a game with them? Like, yeah, we were games? playing um, like uh, Counter Strike Go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, we're still friends on like Steam and stuff. Like he's a really cool kid, but like I think like totally, you know, if he's got <laughs> stuff going on, just let him focus on that and. <laughs> I remember your voiceover for that. Oh, I'm DD Games. I'm a 12 year old kid. Yeah, DD's a good guy. <clears throat> oh, that's funny. Oh, well, I suppose we're coming up on about an hour here. We could probably cut it off and give you uh, give you your time back. But I mean, thanks so much for coming on, Arthur. And and you know, where where can people find you on uh, online and whatnot? Uh, well, when I'm not on Pornhub, right? <laughs> um, you can usually find me, and when I'm not doing uh, guest spots on the training websites, um, <laughs> you guys can usually find me. If you go to YouTube, you can search for Pocket Rocket Radio, and um, yeah, it'll cure you of your alcoholism. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, it works uh, on me. Pocket Rocket Radio. <laughs> Is it will is scientifically proven to cure five out of two alcoholics of uh, uh, asbestos. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a bachelor's degree in math, so you know I'm not going to fuck. With you. <laughs> All right, yeah. Well, we highly recommend you check out uh, Arthur's channel, Pocket Rocket Radio, on YouTube. It is good stuff: gaming, guitars, goofiness. All of it's fun. Um, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for talking to me, guys. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for showing up. That was my pleasure, man. Okay, how about you guys want to answer a few fail bag questions? Let's do it. Okay. Our first one is coming from Game Pro Issue 57, April 1994. Sam Trammell from Sunnyvale, California. And if you don't know who that is, he was the president of Atari at this point. He is writing into GamePro, saying, I was recently browsing through your magazine and came across a review of our new 64-bit Jaguar on page 49 
of your December 1993 issue. Obviously, as the president of Atari, I have a biased view, but I think that... (laughs) But I think that your writer missed some very important points when he or she said, without the big arcade hits from Capcom, the Jaguar has no chance of succeeding. We at Atari are courting the arcade companies in a big way and hope they become publishers on the Jaguar. They will be able to do things that are just not possible on other platforms. However, don't discount other sources of great software. There could be a creative force out there, as we speak, working on a great Jaguar title. We at Atari are doing all we can to cultivate new and exciting experiences on the Jaguar. I ask gamers to write to their favorite publishers and ask them to write software for the Jaguar. At Atari, we are working on some groundbreaking software that will be released in the coming months. We are very excited about the possibilities for Jaguar and welcome comments from the enthusiasts who read GamePro. How desperate is this man? I mean, well, that's like the elephant in the room. Like, is he, is this actually him? Or is this like some middle-aged fanboy who just like composed a nice letter pretending he was. I think they're taking it seriously because they, you know, they actually say send comments to Atari and the actual address to Atari. I was hoping that he would have a check mark after his name, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's, um, you know, I will say if your argument is wait for good stuff to come in the coming months and you've already launched your console, you've probably already screwed yourself. (laughs) And in fact, did screw yourself (laughs) as history shows. Yes. And writing into a magazine like, hey guys, can you can you like write some letters to your favorite companies and see if they'll do it for us? <laughs> right. That's like that's the most like archaic form of like retweeting something. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, oh, let's like pen to paper. Let's make this happen. <laughs> Capcom won't listen to us, but maybe they'll listen to you. <laughs> yeah. The, the children of America, like as they're sending in like request cards and like crayon, with, like backwards R's. I'm sure that's really going to sway a lot of developers. Yeah, that's pretty. I mean, if you're the president of a company and you're like replying to review. I mean, the fact that he did this through the letter <laughs> s- section of the magazine instead of like, hey, let's get on the phone. I would like to sit down and do a published article with you. Right. You know what I mean? This is such a. Uh, I mean, it, it very much recaps the state of Atari at the time, though. I mean, it's it, it definitely puts them in the right place because, I mean, they were so desperate at that point to make any sort of headway. It's kind of awesome, though. I'm sure it was probably 15 beers in. I yeah. decided to, to go for it. <laughs> right. That's so awesome. Do you think he colored the envelope, too? <laughs> <laughs> Put his art on the back of the magazine. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. It's hilarious. Yeah, to to come into the letter section like with all the other guys. And the fact that that's the only space the magazine would give you to defend your shitty console. <laughs> he probably did try to get in there like fuck you, buddy. Like you want in the magazine right into the letters section. That's all we got. He's like, "Aw." Yeah. Head down, walks home, gets out the typewriter. Yeah. And that's, that's, what's funny. Like the, the magazine, their only response was to send comments to Atari at this address. 
Like there was no rebuttal to be like, no, a writer's riot. Like, <laughs> Everything we said was accurate. Your console yeah, sucks dick. Uh, the, their silence kind of speaks volumes. So. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Poor Atari. <laughs> like, that's, oh wow. Okay, let's let's take one from Baron from Richland, Michigan. He asks, "Will future CD games have footage directed by famous directors like Steven Spielberg or Tim Burton, and will they have famous movie stars in them?" Well, I mean, I guess that depends on your scope of fame. I mean, Mark Wahlberg is a pretty big movie star, and he had his own Sega CD game. So That's true. And they did get Mark Hamill for Wing Commander. Yeah, there you go. And they got that guy from that family show to be in that one Sega CD game. It's a, it's a 3DO game, too. I forget what it's called. Oh, I'm not sure of that one. Uh, he, he became like the Christian guy. He had like a bunch of Christian. He still does like Christian TV. Oh, stuff. yes. Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron. Yeah. Whatever game that Horde? is. The Horde. Yes. Like yes. That. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yes. Top actors from the Cutting mid 1990s. Yes. Yes. So look forward to that. Yeah. FMV uh, is the future of gaming. What year did you write this in? Uh, 1994. So it's the future of gaming until 1996. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, then yeah. it all goes down there from there. Then people realize, oh, yeah, we can do better things with the CD than put like horribly compressed, poorly scripted and acted video onto it and just <laughs> dumb it down to quick time events. Yeah. Ugh. And then, you know, Steven Spielberg actually comes on the scene and makes boom blocks for the Wii. Really? Yeah, he was like the driving force behind that. I didn't know I'm pretty that. Sure, That's kind of I'm pretty amazing. sure it says like Steven Spielberg's boom blocks or something like that on the cover. <laughs> Kids are like, who the fuck is Steven Spielberg? <laughs> yeah. You know E.T.? What the hell's an E.T.? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Just take your game and shut up. <laughs> huh. I will say, like, it is starting to get creepy when you're seeing characters now in games that are actual actors and they model them as as them. They're not like FMV. Right. Yeah, and they're not like the train wreck that was like, uh, remember Bruce Willis in Apocalypse Now? Or just like a fucking, like, horrible, it looked like somebody carved his face off with a (laughs) dull knife and, like, stitched it onto their own. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's like, like what, face. <laughs> right. But yeah, what I mean, what is it like the Beyond Two Souls is that one chick that's in everything. Right. Right? Yep. She looks a lot like her character. She just looks yeah, it's just her and there's a um, lot of LA like Noir. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like really like character actors that you wouldn't even know their names, but you recognize them from TV shows and you're like, "Why why are they like modeling them in this in this, you know?" Yeah, Quantum Shift, right? Isn't that the one that just came out? Yeah, that nobody bought for the Xbox. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it, it. It has gotten to the point where it's like they can pull it off to make it recognizable enough. I still think there's like they can't quite nail that um, like expression and like the lip stuff. I mean, it's gotten really good, but it's still just not quite right. Like always, there's something not quite right about it. Yeah, there's still some Uncanny Valley for sure, but 
it's 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 yeah. getting there. Yeah, it's it it's a hell of a lot better than the FMV video stuff. <laughs> Whatever I've hoped to have gotten to, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, just wait another twenty years, you'll yeah. sort of see this uh, thought realized. Yep. Okay, and our last one for this week, Greg from Ontario says, "I'm tired of hearing everyone knock the Game Boy." Sure, some of its games are very lame, but that's true for any system. Anyone who says there are no good Game Boy games should try Aliens or T2 Judgment Day. Don't write off the Game Boy. Wow. Those are the two you let off with? (laughs) Don't judge the Game Boy? Are you shitting me? (laughs) I I don't think I've played Aliens, but T2 on the Game Boy is garbage i i'm i'm wondering if this is actually james cameron because those are both james cameron movies aren't they (laughs) (laughs) and i don't believe that it's from canada and nowhere in that sentence or in that questionnaire did i hear anything about poutine at all so i'm (laughs) questioning if he's from ontario but yeah was there i don't recall a time in my life where anyone was like shooting on the game boy no. Like, I don't remember that in magazines. I mean, no one was like, the Game Boy is a pile of crap. Everyone was like, this thing's amazing. No, especially not in 94 either. I mean, if it was 97, maybe, you know, it's starting to show yeah. its age, but like. Maybe if he was reading like Atari Lynx Monthly, of course they're crapping on the GameCube. <laughs> <laughs> but that magazine only had three issues because nobody bought the goddamn Lynx. <laughs> well, and they didn't make Aliens and T2 for it either. So that was their problem. Well, it wasn't a lot. Okay, what's the launch lineup for the Game Boy? It was Super Mario Land. There was like tennis, football, but wasn't Tetris also a launch title? It had to have been really close, right? Yeah, so it's like it already had a seller library within like the first six months. There's no way. Well, clearly this guy didn't have any of those. He likes shitty games, so of course he's going to love everything that the Game Boy has to offer if those are your go-to games. But (laughs) yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I mean, how do you live in a world where Tetris took off to the, be the thing that it was and be like, well, everybody begs on the Game Boy? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> this is like one of the highest selling games of all time. But Game Boy's trash. Huh. What magazine was he writing into? Game Pro. Game, see, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I could see Game Pro shitting on the Game Boy. I mean, it is Game Pro after all. I mean, they didn't like the Jaguar, so... Uh, maybe Miyamoto needs to write them a letter that would be telling them that the future of the Game Boy is bright (laughs) we're actively contacting them yes Yes, we are working with arcade publishers send them a letter children (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't know that's like just bonkers to me that anyone would have to write a letter defending the game boy at any point in time and then on top of that bring out aliens and terminator 2 <laughs> like <laughs> i kind of need to look up gameplay of this aliens game now because i know what terminator 2 is and like that is hot garbage yeah i see i i think aliens is like must have sold really well because it is pretty common which is oh, weird really? since okay. it's a kid game i mean a kid system back then you know right Huh. Maybe it's Alien 3. Yeah, Alien, Alien 3 is the one that I always think of. See? Yeah. 
Well, we here at the Weekend Rental Podcast strongly endorse the Game Boy. Maybe not your choice in quality titles, but we're fans. <laughs> uh, I'm sh- he's probably just really ticked off they didn't make a Titanic Game Boy game. When did that movie come out? Like 1990, uh, what? What year did they? Because the Game Boy would have still been around, I suppose, but irrelevant. Hold on, I'm Googling it. When did Titanic come out? 97. So he had to wait a couple of years, but only only James Cameron video games for this kid, though. What if Avatar got a release on the Game Boy? <laughs> and then he said it was part of a trilogy, and then fifteen years went by. I love how he duped Disney into like, no, no, we're going to build this Avatar land, and then like, we're that movie's never coming out. Like already they've got an irrelevant <laughs> section of the park because people are like, what the fuck's an Avatar? You know, blue people? Oh, Smurfs? No, no, it was this movie. It was a big deal one time. Okay. The highest rated movie, or the highest generated movie of all time. (laughs) Yeah, fucking poor Disney. All that money. They're like, damn it, we fucking built it. We have to open it now. Yeah. So terrible. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think... I think that wraps another fail bag and another episode of weekend rental. <clears throat> Justin, why don't you uh, take us out? All right. So you can find us. Uh, we got a website. It's going to be www.weekendpodcast.com. On there, you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Um, also, uh, we are open for emails, questions, everything. Um, our email is going to be weekendrentalpodcast at gmail.com. And go ahead and find us on iTunes, Google Play, subscribe. Uh, and as always, be kind, rewind. <laughs>